Anything you can do, I can do better. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kids ministry director talk about raising a Christ-centered family. We're not sure we know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Hello and welcome to Christ in the Chaos. It is Kathleen here with my husband, Joel. And today we are here to talk about that thief of joy, duh, duh, comparison. I feel like we talk about joy thieves a lot. Like we have a lot of well, like joy actual... and joy thiefing. And I just feel like joy is a running theme. Well, it's because people just want to be happy and we just want to make them happy. Um, but You know what would make them happy? Merch. There's an actual <laughs> quote. Comparison is the thief of joy. I should have looked it up. I'm pretty sure it's Teddy Roosevelt. Um, and today we're going to look at a couple different contexts. It's fine. Just say it's Abe Lincoln. Where... So no one else on the internet does. <laughs> Comparing um, yourself um, your family or your church to others negatively affects us. Before we get there, though, how you doing, Joel DeMant? Yep, it's time for the weekly family check-in. So find your family and check in weekly. See how they're doing. I'm doing tired. <laughs> <laughs> we We both are sick. And you know what? Like, we had a weekend where we had two things each day. Didn't work out well. We're no longer able to do two things both Saturday and then two things on Sunday. Wore uh, us right out. We kind of did three things on Saturday, but two big things. You're right. And kind of three on Sunday if we count dinner at your parents. And then yeah. Levi decided to sleep with us Sunday night and just was the worst. And so neither of us slept. And... We I have training this week at work, and I, which I'm conducting. Not if I were just going to training, I could sleep through that. But <laughs> I'm conducting. It's hard to sleep when you're in the front. I'm worn out, yeah. and it's a hundred degrees outside here in California, eh? and so the heat just sucks the energy right out of you. Oh, I think the air conditioning. I'm fine in the heat. I just, I'm having. I had a very rough Monday. Maybe it was exactly what you said. Us not sleeping on Sunday night. Um, but I just fell apart on Monday and I have been able to kind of like trudge through my work, but I haven't had that kind of like overarching, like mastery of the next couple of months. Um, I've been getting stuff done and putting one foot in front of the other, but I have, um, no grand sense of what I need to accomplish as we go towards our big camp. And then for the kids for the summer, I don't have a very good grasp. It feels like it's like already starting to like days are starting to go by and I have no plans to do anything really great or fun with them. And I feel like me trying to get camp in place and get Dane's birthday in place and do all these things is replacing the day-to-day fun that we could be having with the kids. Birthday to plan, a camp to plan, a wife to murder and Gilder to blame. Mm. I'm swamped. We're still going to turn out a podcast. Comparison is not actually the problem. Everyone is different. Every situation is different and not noticing those differences would be absurd. But when those differences are assigned value is when it becomes a problem. Having been a teenage boy, let me tell you, comparison gets assigned value very early. (laughs) So what I mean is when the question changes from who am I or what am I like or what is my kid like to how much do I matter? We run straight into the heart of the conflict between 
the message of the world and the message of the gospel. So to the question, how much do I matter? The world answers, look at other people, see how you compare and you've got your answer. Um, And to the question, how much do I matter? God answers, look at me, seek to understand how much I love you and find your answer. I would say look to the cross. I mean, if you're really curious how much you matter to God. Yeah, that's great. Right? Look to the cross. Which is like the culmination of God's work on earth. Yeah. And we're really bad at understanding why we are important or what is valuable. And there's a lot of really interesting studies of the more time you spend looking at other people's vacation photos on Facebook, like the worse you feel about yourself, even though you also just went on vacation. Like it just, I feel like comparing ourselves to other people isn't going to bring us happiness. Right. If God does not love us in comparison to each other, and God does not value us in comparison to each other, it follows that we should not base our own value or our value in other people in comparison to each other. Like we are called to love like God. So why would we value our existence or the existence of someone else um, by stacking them against other people? Um, Which is hard, right? I mean, it's hard to look at someone and not compare them to others. No, the whole, everything about the world tells us to do it. That is, that Mm -hmm. is the standard of the world. Um, the quote is, comparison is the thief of joy, but I would say that comparison is the antith- antithesis of grace. Um, if you look to Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when the goodness of the, and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God's value in us um, isn't related to what we do. It is uh, related to our works or our righteousness. Um, God's value exists because he has mercy and because we have grace, favor that we have not earned and we do not deserve. Um, and it has nothing to do with how we compare to each other. So we're going to talk about three comparisons, kind of breaking it down into worldly comparisons of worldly success, family comparisons, comparisons between siblings, and rivalry between churches and ministries, and kind of look at what happens when you approach each category from a worldview and from a more godly view. So the first one is that worldly, personal worldly success, um, kind of how you think about yourself um, and how you value how you kind of place yourself in the world. We're thinking about things like money, achievement, popularity, um, and that perfect happy family Instagram feed. Um, Hashtag blessed. We're going to look at what happens when you approach worldly success from the world's perspective. Well, what you do is you look at the people around you to determine how you're doing. So that first one, money, Joel DeMant. Um, How do you compare yourself to other people when it comes to money? What kinds of comparisons weirdly. do you make? Go on. How weirdly. Shoes. Oh, interesting. We don't really have a shoe budget, and I want to be the kind of person who has cool shoes, and I just, I don't have a shoe budget. And I could, but I just feel like I don't have that kind of disposable income to spend on that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. on like fashion and stuff that, like looking cool. And that's really, I think we do a good job with money comparisons, but sometimes it is kind of... Our cars are kind of beat up. Oh, our house is kind of, you know, needs a little bit of this and that. And 
the car doesn't bother me. Even our home doesn't bother me most of the time. Sometimes I'll get a little... Our car is great and our home is beautiful, but it's just like you kind of get into that I trap can kind of comparing... Of see, I can I Mine, it's more like when I see somebody else's home that's really well kept. Like my like my my own parents do a very good job of keeping their home beautifully kept. And I think to myself, like, wouldn't it be nice if I could just come into the backyard and the like, there wasn't awkward like foam just pushed into the ground where we needed to like plug a leak or or PVC. Like we have PVC pipes cut in half um, to like drain out. And I'm like, wouldn't it be nice to like live in a backyard where we actually paid someone to properly do the stuff instead of thank God you can do it yourself because otherwise our house would be flooded. Or we could buy like those little faux rock runners that most people have on their train spouts. Regardless, it looks terrible, but it's fine. It is fine. It's just, I think of like, what if you had not just the money, but like the like margin to think about and do those things. Um, and it's not that important. And what I was going to say earlier about being a woman, I think that the main thing that you look at when you are evaluating money is um, clothes and beauty products and um, the way that rich people can make their skin look and the way that rich people can make their hair look and the amount of childcare they can pay to spend money on their skin and hair and clothes. It's like, it's not important, but it's like sometimes I just really envy being yeah, able to, even what to do that. Ultimately, like when you get those things, like, oh, that didn't make me happy. You know what it made me happy is another 20 minutes with the kids or like a break with Kathleen where we got to relax and watch TV. Mm-hmm. Um, Feeling pretty does make me feel happy. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm always happy when you're pretty too, but you're I, always pretty. That's the thing. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, it, and that's the whole thing is it's like not a real beauty and it's not something you care about it is literally outward facing appearance yeah. and money is i mean money's the big trap right like yeah. money that's one of the topics jesus brings up the most right no one can serve two masters either you'll hate one and love the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other you, you can't serve god and money that's matthew six twenty four, and money is because it represents so much not just wealth and success but also free time and being pretty being pretty and having that (laughs) right feeling good about yourself that it it's an easy trap to fall into and it becomes an idol very easily what about achievement how are you comparing yourselves to others in that way that's an interesting one because we are both lawyers and i think we're both although you no longer practice you're you're very successful in your children's ministry and i have a good lawyer job that this must be my problem then but when we both i think we both do the same thing we compare ourselves to not other similarly situated people but to the best right and so like if i look at other attorneys Mm. i look at the attorneys who are like you know the big time and you don't look at other churches similar to ours you look at the big ones and go hey they have a hundred fourth graders why don't i have a hundred fourth graders and it's like well they have ten thousand members you don't I know, but I take my I make I take responsibility for the church overall too. If we yeah. don't grow, um, we either, whether it's kids or the church on the whole, I look at the churches around me that are growing or the churches around me that are sustaining large ministries, even if they aren't growing, growing. And I think like, what do they have that I don't? Right, but when you're comparing you to other children's ministries, you need to compare the quality of your ministry 
to theirs. See, this is what I was talking about earlier. When you compare yourself to other people's Instagram photos, you're not going to stack up. The quality of your ministry is so high compared to those other ministries. I think if you compare there, you stack up well. And that's really what God cares about, right? Is those those kids that you're reaching, the, the ministry you're doing. So following the worldly achievement trap, when we're focused on the achievements of others and we're comparing ourselves to them, what it leads to um, is jealousy. And this is from the company we keep, a book by Jonathan Holmes. Um, and this is what he has to say about jealousy. Jealousy kicks in when we start to focus not on what God has called us to do or be, but on perceived gap between ourselves and others. At that point, our attention has shifted from obeying God to idolizing what we think someone else possesses. Uh, a little bit further down, jealousy turns us away from God's gifts, what he has given us, why he has done so, and how we can develop these gifts further. It tempts us to reject God's purpose and path for our life in favor of our own path. And that just is exactly like with me with regard to ministry in particular. Um, maybe I'm meant to have 10 kids a Sunday. <laughs> maybe that's the plan. Um, and Or maybe forever. Um, and as long as I am being obedient, seeking God, and being obedient to what God is calling me to, um, that is, that's the godly way. It's not the worldly way, but the godly way of looking at achievement. I should be seeking to achieve what God is calling me to achieve, not what makes me better in comparison to others. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> popularity. I feel like a teenager talking about popularity, but it is something that continues into adulthood. How do you compare yourself? This is... This is the one where I really, the other ones, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Money, achievement, I'm doing fine. I feel good about myself. My wife loves me. My kids think I'm awesome. Uh, but popularity is, I've never been popular. I've always kind of wanted to be I'm, popular. I'm the most popular I've ever been right now, and I don't think it's, like. <laughs> That's the problem, People are though, still irritated with me all the time. You but... are very popular. Everyone we know loves you, which is great, but it also but, means, like. Like, a big asterisk by, like. like... No, it it also means like all of our friends are are mostly your friends. <laughs> and we had that conversation with one of our friends the other day who was like, "No, Joel, I'm your real friend too." And I was like, "All right. Kathleen and I are getting a divorce. Who are you going to the movies with?" <laughs> and when the rubber really hits the road, it's like, "Oh, yeah, no, we like Joel, but like we like Kathleen." <sighs> and that's a hard one for me cuz I I get jealous of other people's po and I'm going to have a bunch of people come up to me on Sunday, be like, no, hugs. we love you, Joel. And I'm like, first of all, don't hug me. If you loved me, you wouldn't. But second of all, like, no, it's not that. It's just that, like, I don't know, that that easygoing, like, ease around people and popularity. I mean, it probably no one does it, right? No one really feels comfortable and is, like, happy, go lucky. And, like, just being around people wears me out. I It's so funny. I put this one in um, because I have always felt like it's – it is one of those where you compare yourself to a people a lot. Like, oh, nobody likes me as much as they like you, or nobody likes me compared to other people. Um, This has never been something I've sought or wanted. Because you're and good at it. No, uh, but no, I'm not. Like, I have always, this is like the mo the best I've been able to enmesh myself in a, um, in a peer group, probably my whole life. I've always been set out in a weird way um, with, with usually some 
intense individual friendships, but never part of a group and certainly never popular in a group. Yeah, um, but you finally found where God wanted you to be. Yeah, but it's but even even I still even feel like kind of the weirdo of our well, just the intent overly intense weirdo of our group. I I realize that I'm kind of the like like we put up I'm like the Sheldon Cooper, but you not are as not smart. The weirdo of no, our group. I don't know. I'm not smart, but I'm like very like intense. You're gonna in the get way a lot is. of hugs on Sunday. No, I no no no. I and I don't feel unloved. I do. It's just I've never neither one of us is ever gonna be able to play the like cool game very well. Um, and when you try to play that game, it also leads to that kind of disobedience. So here's from John 15, 18 through 25. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were the world and the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept the word, if they kept my word, they will keep yours. Um, if you go with Jesus, it is not, it is like not a guarantee of popularity. It's in fact, exactly the opposite. (laughs) I think this verse, quick tangent, gets misused a lot in that people go, oh, people are angry at me. Therefore I'm doing the right thing. Like, no, 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 no. What the verse is saying is if you're doing the right thing and people are angry at you, that's okay. Jesus is still with you. God will walk with you. As long as you're following me. As long as you're following him, it's going to be okay. Not, oh, all these people are mad at me because of how I'm acting. Therefore, I must be acting in a godly way. Like, no, you're just being a jerk. All right. End of tangent. Um, so also that perfect family or Instagram account. Um, we have not had a sick kid. We have not a perfect, um, but a strong marriage. Um, our, our kids are just functioning fine. And there's just no, like, we don't have any, like, real problems. Um, But even still, I am always, I'm kind of on the defense of this particular one, generally. I try to include in my social media accounts the days where things just do not go well. Um, Because, I mean, I'm, like, real good with filters, Joel. I can make it look really good. And I think it's Uh, important. Plus, your children are incredibly photogenic. Well. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks. Um, They have your, your big doe eyes. And you're um, everything else. My olive skin. Um, but anyway, he uh so I the 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 problem with the whole Insta world is that if you live in the Insta world or even if you're putting on the facade of a, a perfect or even a functioning family when you're not functioning to especially your church family, you're blocking the intimacy that God calls you to. Um you need to have real relationships with God and real relationships with people to help keep you on track. And if you are putting up this mask or this kind of like social media um, filter on everything that you do. Even in real life, people put, yes. I mean, we use the term social media filter. Yeah, I'm, I'm using it as like to, to as a, yeah. for a bigger purpose. But we definitely put, we, the big we people, we put a social media filter on things in real life. Where how are you doing? I'm doing fine. When doing you're not, so great. The kids are so great. I know they are. I mean, that's that was my original point is that we we have not been struggling, um, but I realize that people struggle, and you kind of dig beneath the surface, and you're like, whoa, that was going on there. I had no idea. Um, and then you realize that at, by the time you get that revealed, that usually those people are already in crisis, and there's not much you can do as their Christian family to help them. Yeah. 
That was heavier than I meant it to be. So let's move on to our next big area. This is kind of that interfamilial kid to kid comparison. And again, I, I kind of mentioned this at the top of the show, the comparison versus competition that comparing two things, uh, one kid has blue eyes and one kid has brown eyes is not a, the problem, but it becomes a problem when you start making conclusions about those comparisons like, oh, my green eyed child is more uh, beautiful because of his green eyes. It's like, well, okay, well now you're, you're assigning value yeah. to that trait. And there's things that are important to compare them, right? Oh, you know, this child is having trouble with letters. Maybe we should look into that. Or this trouble, child's having more trouble with math than the other one did. Maybe we need to make sure that, you know, they get a little extra help there. Like that, I think that's okay and, and or good. Like, this kid excels at music. Put a maraca in his hand. Um, like literally anything but a maraca. <laughs> <laughs> this kid excels at music, a guitar, a piano, a whistle, a whistle. maraca. <laughs> um, but even to that extent, um, when you're like, because we did a whole episode on fostering, um, growing, um, helping kids with their gifts. But there's the danger of pigeonholing that kid um, based on what they manifested as a four-year-old, kind of problematic in and of itself. But I think one of the bigger dangers, especially when it comes to comparing the two kids, is that reverse pigeonholing. Dane For the record, is- I read the term reverse pigeonholing, <laughs> and it just... Yeah, yeah, you're hearing it now. No, you know what I mean, though. You no, mean I know what you mean. Where you take one kid and you say, you're the smart one. And the other kid goes, well, I better excel at something else because you've called him the smart one. Or you're the musical one. And and I really think of this actually with our kids because um, our little one like showed a pretty crazy aptitude for music as a very little kid. I don't think it's really stayed on track. He's just a normal kid. Um, He's still he pretty likes musical, music. Yeah. Um, but the truth is our older one really, he has very, a very good ear and um, he's very musical himself. And I think we made a big deal of the little one being very musical. And I was like, I, I kind of have felt a little convicted by the fact that I'm like, well, just because he showed an aptitude as an 18 month old um, doesn't mean that our other kid couldn't be the more musical of the two and that we need to be careful about the way we talk about it in front of them. Mm -hmm. Yes. I try to talk about them. (laughs) I don't want to say which one's which, but right. You try and (laughs) I try and describe them similarly when I talk about them. uh, You know, I try and say, Oh, you're, you're very smart to both of them. Yeah. As opposed to, Oh, you're smart and you're very pretty. Like, I want to make sure, you know, I somebody tr- literally said to me this weekend, one of your kids has a great personality, but the other one is so beautiful. And I was like, I, I, I'm not judging that person because I have said <laughs> pretty much the same thing. And I feel like a kind of terrible parent, but they both have um, great personalities and they're both cute. That's very but true. One of them. That is so true. One of them is photogenic. One of them knows how to pose in photos and I don't know where he learned it. Oh. He just knows how to pose in a photo. He looks like a like. You're highly trained people cannot sorority girl yeah um, and it's the, remarkable and the other one does the like the kind of like my mom calls it the demand smile because <laughs> it's, it's like how the, everyone in my family like smiles the, the weirdest smile yeah. in the world but he is oh god he is really beautiful mm-hmm. he really they both are um so one of the things that's um for us it's very one of the, our big values um is 
is fostering a lifelong relationship between the two of them. Someday we will be gone and hopefully um, the odds and whatever, well, they will be together for most of their lives and they will have each other. Um, and just generally, we have this commandment, right? John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you are also to love one, one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And the problem is that when he says, as I loved you, right, he means that sacrificial die on the cross love. And when you consider yourself to be in competition with someone, you cannot sacrificially love them. Or even when you're comparing other people, like it just comparing them to anything, to some standard that you've set for what makes a good person, what makes a righteous person, what you're comparing them to something that is not the measuring stick God uses. Yeah. And the measuring stick God uses is him. Do I stack up to whatever it is you're measuring? If I stack up, they stack up. Mm -hmm. That's. I think that is a really underappreciated verse. Um, this is my commandment. Oh, it's like the verse. Yeah. Okay. And I think it's, I think the beginning and end are underappreciated. I think people go, oh, but yes. love one another as I loved you. And it's like, well, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't. First of all, this is my commandment. Thus saith the Lord your God, who brought yeah. you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And who, this is a commandment. Through his existence, basically eradicated all of the other commandments for the purposes of replacing it with this one. Yeah. Um, this is my commandment that you love one another. This may be a strong This word. is how they will know you are mine, not your righteousness, not your holiness, not your theological correctness, but your love. Your sacrificial love for one another. I have talking about your experience as a kid. I just wanted to say, you don't have to talk about it. My parents somehow rocked at this. Um, we were three very different kids in a lot of different ways. My sister was very strong academically. I was very strong athletically. My brother is my brother and he is an extremely successful and amazing man. So I have no problem saying that he was kind of a doofus as a kid. Um, very, very funny, um, and clever and grew up to be very He's wise kind of a doofus and interesting, now, but that's kind but of what makes him great. He was kind of like, it was hard. He's to, a comedian. He's really funny. <laughs> yeah, no, he's really great. Um, but that is not something that like, is like an objectively easy thing to, to give value to as a kid. And for some reason, I really think that the, the, the source of the closeness between the three of us is that we were never pitted against each other compared to each other. And I am still trying to figure out that secret sauce. Because yeah. I really, that is something that I so badly want to emulate from my own childhood um, with my two boys. And I don't, my parents never compared us. They never, like, said to me, well, your sister did X, so you need to do X. It just, we kind of all excelled at the same things. That might be the problem. Um, my siblings were more athletic than I was, but not more naturally athletic than I am. They just both were better people at, like, actually hunkering down and practicing at things um and so they i didn't really compare to them disagreeing there. with you if they were listening they would which they won't they um, have more discipline than i do it's fine no they would be disagreeing about the fact that you're also just less less athletically inclined them but but whatever can say that but we tended to be ath academically inclined and i mean i don't know we kind of naturally compared ourselves because we all kind of did the same thing i mean yeah i had the highest sat score <laughs> fine <laughs> but I'm 
really glad you're getting to the heart of this episode. <laughs> it never, it's not something that has ever brought us closer. It's not something that's ever brought us happiness, I don't think, as a family. I think I agree with when we stop trying to one-up each other, which is really, I think, more what we do, is we try and like argue each other into the ground. And when we stop doing that and just kind of enjoy each other's company, I think we really get along. Yeah. I mean, I felt myself get pulled into it sometimes. And then I'm like, wait a second. It's a lot of fun. This is not my thing. But I really, I, you're right. I think it's, I think that your analysis of it was exactly correct. Um, the other thing that I think we're in danger of doing is comparing ourselves as children to our kids. And that kind of involves living vicariously through your kids or measuring their success based on what your success was as a kid. And Dane's in his first season of swimming and I'm not that worried about it. And soccer. I, so far at the age of four, he does not show a, um, a likelihood. No, he really doesn't. Um, and that's fine. And I think maybe God knew I needed that. Um, and so there, that's where we are. You have been brand from coaching our children. Um, so I'm just trying to relax and, and that's really a, a, a kind of goes with our, um, helping your kids discover their gifts episode, um, really trying to lean into the things that God is putting on him and that is that he is gifted at and that makes him uniquely him. And finally, that third issue of comparison has to do with the church. When members of the body of Christ compare their impact and effectiveness um, by... Membership. It's always membership and money in, money out. That's how we compare ourselves. Oh, to see, churches. I am so um, involved. I I get so wrapped up in um, a church to church, what impact missionally they're doing, and I look at our church and I look at our impact missionally, and I feel like it's not enough um, because we're not, you know, well, what did there's a big church in our area. I won't I I would call them out because it's such a great thing. They like paid like all uh, like an entire country's worth of compassion people they like adopted all of them um and uh it was it was it was Bayside and, and Greta Bay they did it was such a great thing there's no reason for me not to say what it was I forget which country it was um but they like literally adopted every compassion person and I was like man I want to be a part of that I want not to I want to be a part of that but why can't we do something like that why can't we make that kind of impact Am I really a part of a good ministry if I'm not able to bless other people in that big picture way? But if you look to Romans 12, 4 through 5, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And so this kind of applies in that big way that I was just talking about with the church. Um, I look at our church and say, we don't do enough. And I look at that big church and I said, it does everything, but we may not be called to do that big thing. We are a community church and we serve our community very, very well. Yeah. We literally have a program called impact. (laughs) And so that has an impact, you know, like it's like if, if, if we're the body of Christ and they're being the, um, spleen and I'm like, God's being like, don't try to be the spleen. Good shepherd. Don't try to, um, fill a role that I'm not calling you to. Each one of us has a part in the body and we're called to that part. And um, it's more important that we do what God calls us to than that we make a big impact in comparison to other churches. Um, I I think the one danger with that is that we can use that as cover for not being what we're really called to be. 
And that's where I kind of always am living in that fear that we're not stepping into what God is calling us to because we, we like yeah. to like hide behind but it. But it's don't compare yourself to other organizations. It's compare yourself to what you could be doing, right? Look or at like, what look it is. look at what God is calling yeah. you to and follow that. Um, and that same thing is true within a church. Not everyone is called to be a pastor. And I, I, I was just thinking about comparing like a, a senior pastor, which is like in our tradition, right? The senior pastor is like the head guy um, versus like a, an attender at our youth program. It's like the se- senior pastor gives the sermon of his life this week and like four people come forward and are like, I'm saved and this is it and blah, blah, blah. And some kid at our youth group, you know, has a conversation that makes some other teenager that's going to harm themselves feel like they can get through another week. You don't know what the impact of your ministry is in any moment. It's not about how many souls are saved or how many people show up. Um, It's about the way you care for people. And if God is calling you to care for people in a certain way, just like uh, how he calls a church, he calls us individually. And it's not a matter of what your impact is and how it compares to other people, but whether or not you're being obedient. Right. Well, I mean, I think it is about what your impact is, but it's about making sure you're making the correct impact as best you can and living a life for God so that you can bring that message and and help other people and feed other people and care for other people in the way that you are meant to. We all have our role to play. You don't get bonus heaven if you, you know, raised enough money to get the pastor a private jet. The goal is to live in the kingdom now. And we bring the kingdom by doing what we are called to do and living the kingdom now in the way that we are capable and called. In an amazing moment of the Holy Spirit working with this podcast, um, somebody gave me a book to borrow about, I want to say like six weeks ago, and it has been sitting on our buffet and I have not read it. And it's for the kids. And they said it was a great book. And I kind of just put it off and put it off and put it off. And it finally got like re um, revealed. Like we like took the pile off it basically. Um, a couple days ago when I was planning for this podcast, I was literally outlining it and walked through. I said, Hey Dane, why don't we go read this book? And the book is about um, these wooden people made by this wooden people maker. And they live in this town and um, based on, how they compare to each other, whether they do good things and look good or do bad things and look bad. If they trip and fall or if they get a scratch, they get a gray dot. And if they like jump really high or do something really helpful, they get a a gold star. And they're literally judging each other on a constant basis. And there's this one guy that got gray dots, gray dots, gray dots, gray dots, gray dots. And so he finally runs into this other wooden doll that um, doesn't have any dots at all. And he says, oh, I want to be like her. How do you not have any dots? She goes, well, I go and visit the maker every single day. And he's like, okay. And he goes to the maker and the maker says, you know, I made you just the way I did on purpose and I don't make mistakes. Um, And he says the way to get rid of the dots or the reason that she doesn't have any dots is because they don't stick. And the whole point of it is that when um, you stop worrying about what the other wooden people think the stickers that they give you can't stick and um that the way you stop worrying about it is by constantly visiting the maker and it was the most amazing story first of all i was like i think i understand 
the whole world better now. Um, and it was so on point and it really is a perfect resource if you were trying to instill this godly view of comparison um, instead of a worldly view of comparison in a kid that lives in the world, um, I would just get this book. It's uh, You Are Special by Max Luke. Oh, I don't know how to say his name. He's super famous, so it's dorky that I don't know how to say it. It's either Lucado or Lucado. We'll put a link in the doobly-doo. And it is so good for your kids, but it is also, I have to say, like I took a deep breath and was like, I get it better now. <laughs> it was really, it was a beautiful allegory. It was a beautifully uh, illustrated book. And it made the point in just beautifully. Keep your eyes on the kingdom and see yourself the way God sees you. All right, let's get to our next segment. So that came up. Today, Dane was asking, how many miracles has God done? And I said, buddy, you and your brother are a miracle. And I started to describe to him um, that all mommies have uh, baby (laughs) homes in their tummy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and that my baby home had a wall that shouldn't have been there and that we had to take down the wall so that, that he and Levi could grow and all the stuff I was describing it. Then he got real curious about like female and male anatomy and um, was asking like where mommies pee from and all of that kinds of things. <laughs> got, and, I, and, I, and he was like, I want to see, he literally, I want to see a picture. I want to see a picture. So I brought up illustrations because I felt like that was more age appropriate of male and female anatomy and actually the insides were very detailed the outsides were more of like vague outlines um and we had a conversation about all of the different pieces and then i pointed out the uterus and i said that's where babies live when they're growing in mommy's tummies and all that stuff anyway conversation ends they want to see more and more pictures eventually just i'm like i did enough for today thank you closed it up and then levi turns to me and says Hey, this is Kathleen. Um, When we went and edited this part of the podcast, we realized that it wasn't clear that we didn't bring Levi into the recording studio to repeat himself and that I happened to be recording this on video. So this is an actual recording of when he actually said, I have a big, big, big penis. And that was it. He didn't bring it up again for the rest of the day. I can promise you we did not talk about the size of any of the anatomy that we were, that I was teaching them about. Um, Kid just knows. <laughs> apparently. All right, let's pray our way out of here. Lord, help us to not live our lives by the standards of the world. Help us to not um, assign value to people based on how they stack up against uh, each other. Let your love sink deep down into our hearts and that your love for the people around us to sink deep down into our hearts so that when we are assigning value, that the only value we see is how loved we are by you and how you call us to love each other. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at email.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.